You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon and welcome to America's Web Radio. And this is one of our favorite shows. And uh, you probably need to, uh, well, I don't know that you'll need to take notes, but you'll need to get your box of Kleenex next to you because... Some of the information that we'll be talking about this afternoon is really heart-rendering and a shame that it even goes on in the United States. But we've got our agent in charge, Mr. Sandy Bostic, on the line, ready to go, and uh, we're ready to go. And so, good afternoon, Sandy. How you doing? Hey, Dave. Thanks. Yeah, just... Uh this is going to be an interesting show, and, and uh, it affects people a lot more than they realize. Even if even if uh, you don't have kids, and or your kids are grown, you know you're, we're always in contact with children. And, and what we're talking about today, it's, it's a uh, it's kind of a three tiered subject. But the main focus, and we're first we're going to start at looking at it from the international aspect, and uh, and then we'll you'll look at it more at a close to the home type of perspective on how to recognize and what to do about it, but uh, it's going to uh, deal with, with child sexual abuse and uh, and human trafficking. And the both, and they say, well, the two are two different subjects, and they're really not, because it's like we talked about in a lot of different uh, programs, talked about, you know, I'm a former Homeland Security Investigation Special Agent slash U.S. Customs Special Agent, and everything I worked for the most part was uh, international in scope. And, uh, and and this uh, these crimes more or less fell came to us a little bit later, uh, not so much when we were a U.S. Customs agent. We we did work child pornography cases back in the when I was a customs agent, but it wasn't not nearly on the grand scale as it has uh, become today with Homeland Security investigations. And and the main reason is it's the internet, and the internet has has really uh, made these uh, these crimes and this uh, this. Uh, these acts against children much more prevalent. When I first started as an agency, uh, there was no internet, and uh, the internet came into focus, came into mainstream play probably back, I guess it was back 1998, probably. And so it was a whole new animal to us, and uh, and of course it opened up the, the world to a whole different uh, uh, scope of, of crimes that can be permitted by people because now you have uh, you know virtual uh, anonymity, and then you can talk to people all around the world, and and uh, it's just the fact volume of information being being shared is really difficult to keep up with. And so what I want to start out with is, like I say, is let's, just, let's talk about what is a pedophile. And I, we're going to break this up into two different categories because, I'm, first of all, I'm looking at it from a law perspective, and then we'll look at it from, from uh, the, uh, the victim side. And uh, But for international purpose, we're, we're going to call, yeah, you know, uh, a pedophile is, I'll give you a... a Definition here. A lot of this, I just have. I'm just going off of what uh, the the general legal prescription is now. Description. So, a pedophile is a psychiatric disorder, pedophilia, in which an adult or older adolescent experiences a primary or exclusive sexual attraction to prepubescent children. Okay, now, and uh, it is considered a, 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 a they call it is termed pedophilic disorder. And so uh, I'm not going to go into a lot of details on on uh, what causes a person to be a pedophile. As a matter of fact, I think that the uh, the jury's still out on that. They really don't know. And uh, there are there are different uh, uh, 
characteristic traits, of course, that fall in line with the uh, with pedophiles. But as, as far as actually understanding, you know, what makes them do what they do, I mean, it, it's hard to describe. There's not much. There's very little money involved, except when you get to the second aspect. Is we're going to talk about first. You know, we're going to talk about um, pedophiles, who they are, how they operate, and and sex tourism and child pornography. Those are the main three subjects that involve international sex trafficking and abuse of children. And uh, and like I said, that those all will fall under human trafficking, which we'll talk about here in just a few minutes. So if I get if it gets confusing as always, I'm always trying to say too much in too short a time, Dave. So please shut me down. <laughs> no, you're doing great. You know, and I was just, uh, as we all know, the, there are uh, two very prominent names. One that uh, supposedly committed suicide, but uh, the the jury's still out on that, I guess. And the other one was a uh, president. Well, who are they? <laughs> well, you know, Clinton. Clinton. I, I don't have the clues, so help me out. Yeah, Clinton and his buddy that uh, flew all over the place. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Sorry, but yes. I mean, yes. And As a matter of fact, this will fall in there. This is going to fall under our trafficking aspect. But go ahead. Anyway, I can't think of the other guy's name that uh, supposedly but didn't commit him. Commit Jeffrey Epstein. Epstein, yeah. I couldn't yeah, remember he that. He supposedly killed himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, using somebody else's hands around his neck. Yeah, I don't buy that one. I just like I say you just gotta be. We, we we like to think that America is a civilized place, but you know when when uh, when the hard facts come to the hit the floor, it's not as civilized as, we, as it really as we hope it is. You know, so but so anyway, let's get back to pedophilia. Okay, pedophilia. We are just desire to have sex with children, and it's exploding in the United States, of course. And uh, the crime statistics, uh, the federal crime statistics, the, the, the last uh, several years, the last decade, this is hard to believe. But I, but you know, it's hard for if, if you haven't dealt with these people, uh, it's hard to believe. But having dealt with them the way that we did as an agency, and still do, I believe this. It's up twenty five hundred percent. Okay, mm. so child pornography, which is usually the predecessor precursor to actual uh, pedophile child abuse. Okay, that we know of is up twenty five hundred percent, and that's that's just amazing. Yeah, that like say we now did this exist before the internet? Oh, of course it did, and uh, and, and we see as we're seeing the uh, the cases against the Catholic Church and the priests and and the, the Boy Scouts. Now we're starting to realize that, that this has been an issue for you know for for centuries, you know, and and more specifically in in uh, the last probably you know hundred to hundred fifty years, and uh, but. In addition to the twenty five hundred percent, let's see, two thirds of sex offenders in state prisons, okay, committed offenses against children. So two out of every three sex offenders in a state prison are there because they abused a child or more than one child. This is there are right now there are seven thousand four hundred seventy seven seven hundred forty seven thousand registered sex offenders in the United States and as many as a hundred thousand right now are missing or are not complying with the uh, their uh, conditions of release and see the see the best data right now suggests that uh, one hundred thousand American children a year are victimized through child sexual exploitation and it's just like it's just like adult rape I mean it's one of the most it's one of the most uh, underreported 
crimes in the in the country. I mean, where we see that that one out of every ten uh, kids who's sexually abused that that's actually being reported to law enforcement. And so you think about it. I mean, if you do the math on that, I mean, we're probably up a lot higher than twenty five hundred percent. And so I think it's kind of see. This is one of the stats that kind of took me that I just have a hard time wrapping my head around it. One in 25 children between the ages of 10 and 17 have received an online sexual solicitation from someone who tried to make contact with them offline. In other words, someone is using social media. Is 25% of, of our kids, which is one in four, uh, they're being they're being solicited by a pedophile online uh, via social media, whether it be Facebook, Snapchat, whatever it is they're using. So I think, you know, it's, it's, it's just the, the numbers here are amazing. And like I say, it's, it's, it's almost like a drug smuggling. I'm sure even if we're catching uh, 10%, we're missing a whole, whole lot more, you know. And uh, so any any questions on those stats, Dave, or any, any comments? Uh, not other than it's sickening. And, <laughs> you know, and unfortunately, and this may or may not have changed, uh, Atlanta was one of the largest cities in the country uh, involved in it wow wow I and, uh, you know so much of that you know and here's the thing i mean i'm, I'm going to cover some cases these are closed cases that uh, most of them there were cases that my biggest exposure to uh, this type of uh, this type of uh, criminal activity was over when i was in russia and because there's such a huge market for it over there we call what we call sex tourism which is sex tourism is the uh Paying and usually it's set up with, for, through a uh, an agent or a, uh, a black market agent somewhere in a foreign country. Specifically, I say in this, these cases it'll be Russia, where there you pay up front. You get on a plane, you pay up front, you get on your plane, you fly over to Russia, and uh, and you uh, abuse as many children as you can afford. And of course, the biggest problem they had is the same problem they have in a lot of these uh, developed countries. Russia's not really a developed country; they just have a, a huge number of uh, of. Uh, uh, orphanages there, where this uh, so little is 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 reported, and uh, and there's just such a, a large access to these kids, and so we're going to cover a couple of sex uh, tourism cases here, and, and specifically ones that I work to kind of understand the way these guys operate, and so talk about sex tourism, I say too, and that's uh, and you kind of have to get, you have, have to get your mind wrapped around it like this because you know. What people say, you know, it's argued throughout the world. Okay, well, age of sexual consent is different in different countries. Uh, just because our, this is our our norm doesn't mean that that this should be imposed upon other countries. And uh, but the thing is, I, I disagree with that because I know that, for example, in uh, in the, the Netherlands, I believe that legal sexual sexual consent age is twelve there, and uh, which is, you know, in my opinion, way too young. But it's led to lots of problems, and like say, and, and well, you know, these people who these kids who are sexually abused. As my wife used to say, who was in the school business for thirty years, she said, once you have a kid who's been sexually abused, especially by a family member, she said, they're never the same again. Mentally, they don't trust people. You know, they they're much more prone to go into drugs and alcohol. Uh, they have a you know, number of psychological issues, and and so uh, you know, this is. Uh, Common sense, you know, should prevail here. And uh, but, like I say, the thing is, but I just, you know, just so people will know. And uh, this is, I've been asked this question several times through the years. It is against the law for you, as the United States citizen, to travel to these foreign countries and have sex, have have uh, 
have sex with someone under the age of 18 years of age. And uh, this is what we call it sex tourism. And we'll get more into what child pornography here in a little bit. But the child pornography is generally its predecessor to sex tourism. That's where that's where these uh, pedophiles they begin. Uh, they first of all they'll they'll you know they develop an interest in children for whatever means, and uh, then they start you know they get online. They can go on these different child uh, pornography sites, which are usually on the dark web. And we can talk about that too if you have any questions on what the dark web is. And uh, but they'll get on the dark web where they're more or less protected. And uh, from uh, being discovered, their their uh, web address is it, it's, it's traded throughout the uh, the world. And uh, but uh, you know the 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 act of looking at porn at the child pornography and the continued uh, uh, consumption of it, as they use the term is legal consumption. The legal term is consumption of pornography, where they continue to download it and view it. Eventually leads to an action. You know, when they will go ahead and, and they will get up the courage to go to a country, go to one of their somebody's child, whatever, and then they'll, then they'll, you know, start, as they call it, they start grooming these kids to become, you know, their sex victims. Now, here's a stat that a lot of people don't understand, and, and I, but I fully, uh, this may actually be a low, on the low side. You know, a few years ago, we used to estimate that, uh, that uh, you're, when, when, a, when a sexual offender is finally caught, when they're finally caught, you know, you do this do a sting operation, and we did lots of sting operations on, on pedophiles. You know, when we when you finally catch them, and you, and you uh, they start talking, they almost all all confess they're they're, they're proud of what they've done, they're proud of their of, of their accomplishments. And uh, but we used to estimate that every sex offender had probably abused two hundred kids. Okay, so if you not just the one that you're prosecuting them for, but in addition to, over the years, when they finally got caught, it's 200. Now they're saying this number is up to 400. And so you can you just do the math on that, and you can see it, it's a horrible problem. It's a horrible problem. And so, but anyway, getting back to the legal end of this, okay, when you, you know, when people, if you're, you know, when uh, people ask me this, okay, if I go to a foreign country and if I have sex with a uh, person, another person there, you know, what are the laws? I mean, what's what going to get me jammed up? And you will get in trouble if it gets reported back to uh, to like Homeland Security Investigation or the FBI. But uh, for example, here's here's almost the, the main four laws. There's 18 U.S. Section 2423, travel with intent to engage in illegal sexual contact. U.S. citizens and residents are prohibited from traveling to a foreign country with intent of engaging in sexual activities with a child. This is punishable up to 30 years in prison. And then uh, 18 U.S. B24. 2423, engaging in illicit uh, sexual conduct in foreign places. U.S. citizens and legal residents are prohibited from going to another country and molesting or raping a child or paying to have sex with a child. This carries a sentence of up to 30 years in prison. And the offenses makes it the ancillary offenses makes it illegal to be involved in the child sex tourism industry, such as you know child pornography or the uh, the uh, sex tourism. If you violate this law, you could also face up to 30 years in prison. Then, of course, the production of child pornography, 18 U.S.C. 2251, makes it illegal to produce pornographic images outside the U.S. and import or intend to import them into the U.S. First-time offenders face up to 15 to 30 years in prison. Sandy, so, let me let me interrupt you here yeah, because I, sure. I, I don't think I'm out of line or out of that far crazy, but uh, everything that you're saying... I envision or assume those numbers are related to men, but is it fifty-fifty? Are women involved in it as much as men? Um, I have that number right here. Funny you should ask. 
<laughs> and I just, I was just reading this earlier because I, I said, I, you know, the stats change all the time. Let me say that. But I, I think it's, uh, if you remember right here, it is, let me look. I believe it's, I'm going to say it's 77%. Yeah, here we go. Uh, 77% of the uh, uh, people who are molested as, as children are, are women. And the other, I guess that would make the other 23, 24% would be male and uh, so for the most part it, it's it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a crime against females but like I say I mean that's yeah but no like, I know what I'm asking I'm asking I'm asking committing against males that I can remember go ahead I'm sorry you know what I'm asking is it's the the man going after the young girl oh but, I got you. Yeah, but yeah. do we have do you have women going after the young boys uh, on a rare occasion rare occasion and I've got the number here I'm just trying to find it uh, it says here that yeah, approximately ninety five percent of convicted, approximately ninety five percent of convicted pedophiles are male, and five percent are women. Okay, that that and, was what uh, I was asking. So, yeah, so it's, it's mostly, of course, you know, you, you've seen the cases through the years, and, and it, it always involves uh, teachers, you know, with uh, students that are they're a female teacher having sex with an underage uh, uh, male student, and I guess that's probably that's. Probably the most common I would that I've seen of this uh, as far as females committing these uh, crimes against kids. Hmm. Yeah, there was uh, there been a couple in my lifetime anyway, and and since news and and electronics, I think there've been two very well publicized cases of uh, of women teachers, uh, and I think uh, what one of them wound up getting married, and or one couple I don't know if they're still married or not, but. They kept making the news for a number of years. Wow. This, I, I think I, this I'm was... Kind of, I'm kind of losing contact with you, Dave. Is there any way you can kind of turn uh, up your in there a little bit? Yeah, I... I, I like a wave of water was washing over you. Huh. Uh, I think this case was in California where a, a teacher had uh, been in love with one of her male students, and I think they wound up getting married at some point, and... They continued to be in the news off and on for a number of years, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember the name of that case. I, I believe that that uh, teacher in that student, at least he got married. When she got out of prison, they married. I remember the case. I just can't remember the person. You know? Yeah, I can't either. There's <laughs> just been too many. Yeah. So, so anyway, so we just discussed. So that's like I say, that's just a, that's a really a ballpark discussion of, uh, of pedophile cases. And like I say, for the most part, and then I want to, you know, uh, this next segment here, we're just next. We're just. I want to discuss human trafficking, and and see how tell you how this ties in with the uh, with the sex trade and, and uh, with pedophiles, and, uh, and 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 how we used to work these cases, and uh, give you some examples of some cases, and uh, like I say, to try to finish up here with with what you can do uh, with your kids, the kids that you know, to avoid this from happening. Okay. So, so. So before I launch into this, I'm, I always run over all my commercial breaks. Is it time for a break, or you'll be keep on going? Keep on going. All right. <laughs> so, anyways, what is human trafficking? Okay, now there's a. This is a human trafficking and human smuggling. That's the two most common terms you hear. Uh, and now, first, you got to differentiate between the two. Okay, human smuggling is when we see this all the time in this country. When when a, a person in a foreign country, let's say Mexico. Uh, hires a person, 
to smuggle them across the border where they le- enter legally to the United States without be without a, a visa, without any type of uh, identification, without any type of record of them entering, and uh, and then they enter to our our system here, our, to our country illegally. That is that is that is human smuggling, and we see it all the time. It's Eighteen litters full of people, you know, it, it's a, it's a very prolific crime. It's very profitable, and it goes on every single day. And it, it's not just a Texas thing or a California thing. It, it's on the it's Florida, anywhere you know uh, the northern border. That we have a we our numbers as a different show. We can cover this, but our numbers of, uh, of people being smuggled in the country is at the lowest point now. It's been in, in decades. And uh, but at the same time, but like I said, that is that is the, uh, the the that is what human smuggling is: paying or being smuggled across, entering illegal. That's a crime against the country. It's not a crime against a person. It's a crime against the country. Human human trafficking is the same thing as like slavery, and where a person is, uh, it, 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 there is actually slavery still goes on in the world. And uh, but for the most part, you know, it's a. Uh, I can give you the definition. Let's see. Human trafficking involves the use of force, fraud, or coercion to obtain some type of labor or commercial sex act. Every year, millions of women, men, women, children are trafficked worldwide. And so, for the most part, what we see mostly here in the United States when it comes to uh, human trafficking, it is the sex trade. And there's the two aspects of, of human trafficking. One is sex trafficking, which is the most prolific and the one that we see the most. And the second is uh, is labor trafficking where you're bringing in people to work for next to nothing or to work off, you know, uh, a, a commit commit to someone like indentured servitude. And so, what we're more concerned about here today, of course, is the sexual aspect of this. And, and we saw this quite a bit. And uh, you know, the most common ages for uh, you know that, that once again, if what you have the the most common trend we see in human trafficking today. Are females between the ages of 12 and 18, and most are coming in. What we're seeing in the United States are mostly coming in, uh, being brought in from uh, Central South America and uh, Mexico, and more more so uh, through uh, uh, Central America. El Salvador has a big problem. Honduras, you know, where they have mostly from countries they come mostly from underdeveloped countries where they have a, a, a huge problem. You know, they're with uh, they're economically challenged in, in developing countries, and so. And now human trafficking is considered a crime against the person. In other words, there is a victim in human trafficking. And so, so anyway, so the common the common uh, method that we see as far as human trafficking goes in the sex trafficking business is that, and I'll use an example for a case that, that we worked, uh, one of my agents by the name of Steve Stafford worked down in uh, Houston. It was a huge operation we had. Then where we worked the MS-13, which is the, uh, everybody's familiar with them. They're the big gang of, uh, of uh the biggest gang that comes out of El Salvador is a, a chemical, 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 sorry, criminal organization. And uh, so, what we saw in this particular case is that they would, uh, you know, they they use mostly with deception. Nobody really just sells themselves into to being a sex slave. They, uh, you know, they're either kidnapped, right out kidnapped, and brought to the United States. We were in Houston, and these are are they're coerced or brought in under the guise that they're going to be working at, say, a hotel. Or as in a kitchen, they're going to be working as a babysitter. This is what they believe they're coming here to do. Once they get here, well, you know, then everything changes, and they end up working in a uh, in a in a brothel. Uh, they end up, you know, being trafficked, you know, house to house. And, and most of the trading is all done online. I mean, most of the contact is done through online contact. And so, 
that's when we talk about human trafficking. That's what we're that's specifically, you know, and it's interesting. You know, the the, uh, the Philippines. You know, they've they've been involved in human trafficking years. They've had a lot of issues there. But I, I do have what I found was really interesting. This is the most updated updated uh, list of the of the the uh, countries most involved in human trafficking. And uh, this, I've got the top ten right here. And uh, number ten on the list, as far as you know, the most instances of of, uh, of human trafficking, slavery, human slavery is China. Number nine is Ghana and Africa. Uh, number eight, Uganda. Number seven is Nepal, which I found that was uh, unusual. Uh, Sri Lanka, India, Pakistan, Haiti. Number two is Brazil. Number one is Bangladesh. And so now I do know, uh, I've talked to agents within our agency who, who worked in Bangladesh and everything like that. And they do actually have, are you familiar with the, uh, the TV show Taken, Dave? Uh, <clears throat> no. Or the movie? Okay, anyway, well, it's, it's, it's a movie about a guy. He's, he's a former CIA operative, and he has a daughter who gets kidnapped. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yep. Okay, well, that's those those markets do exist, but not nearly on the, on the scale that, that the movies would have you uh, have you know, have you think so. But in Bangladesh, it, it's one of the places where I am certain that there are, you know, live markets there for, for, people, for people to be traded. And uh, so I know it goes on there. I just have talked to agents who have uh, who have uh, I've worked with in the past. So, so anyway, that's that's human trafficking. Any, any questions on human trafficking? Not really. It's just like I said earlier. It's all sick, but right. that's our world. And uh, it, it, it is, it's real hard to put a number on any of these because so much of this is not reported. I, so a lot of it, it depends. On, we talked about four. It all depends on who's doing the study. And uh, as to where the numbers really are, but you really can't put a solid number on how many pedophiles we have, how many how many uh, human traffic uh, victims we have in this country or in the world. But you know, but they estimate between twenty to the estimate is, is probably pretty close. It's between twenty to forty million people. The twenty to forty million people worldwide are are trafficked and are, are being are victims of human trafficking. Wow. At this point, they're under some. They're under human slavery conditions right now. So, after you think about that, that's a lot of people. You know, my question, uh, and you said something earlier about it, but uh, you know, one of our sayings here is "follow the money," and uh, you know, there's got to be a ton of money involved in this at one end or the other. You know, in the uh, in the uh, child pornography world, there's really not. There's not a lot of money. The cases that we worked, there are very very few ass, uh, assets that were ever seized. Uh, most of the stuff, the, the guys, the, the people involved at this at this level, there it's for lack of a better term, it's a crime of passion. They it's just something they want to do. And, and, and you know, online pedophiles, uh, child pornographers, uh, pornographers, they trade this stuff for free. I mean, they just swap it back and forth. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what we you know are seeing now is that you know. Most these the most uh, films that are made uh, that are that are pornographic in nature with children are made either at, at at home at their home or at the home of a uh, of uh, of a close friend, and so you know the majority of what you're seeing out there today are, are homemade this homemade uh, child pornography, and uh, and use and, it, and believe it or not it's hard to believe it that uh, in most cases it's either it's either a real close friend of the family or it's just a family member it is, we've even seen particular cases when I was in Grand Junction we saw a, a father he was he was filming himself having sex with his uh, three-year-old daughter 
and put it online. Oh, and uh, so it's just, you know, I know it's just for a common person to think about this, it, it, it's difficult. And uh, But, you know, uh, Paul Anderson, who's retired, uh, customs agent slash HSI agent, he was my... Uh, he was my forensic expert. He did all of our computer searches, and, and uh, when we would uh, arrest the pedophiles, we, the first thing you do, of course, you grab the computer because you want to go back and do an a, a analysis of that computer and see where this person, what they've been doing online, and it'll tell you a lot about them. And, uh, and you also you can identify and find the evidence you need if you're going to indict them on, on possession of child pornography. And uh, but you know he was telling me in particular one case he worked lots of cases he was one of my busiest agents out there he he really did a good job he did did his uh, fellow man a real justice did real justice for us all and but he said one guy in particular and I just can't remember his name this is before I was the agent in charge up there but he said you know when they finally got their hands on him he said this guy was he said when we sat him down and started talking to him and he's just uh, when he they started talking to him and he said he started bragging about. You know all the different victims he had, and there they put it somewhere up in the neighborhood around 200 victims. And uh, and he was a uh, he was if I remember right, forgive me if I'm wrong, Paul. I think he was a FedEx delivery driver. Mm-hmm. Real calming guy. You would never think this guy, but he said that uh, when he finally broke and uh, and was you know to the to the specific crime against his child that he had, that he had abused, they uh, Paul asked him. He goes, hey, he goes, he goes. Why do you do this? Why do you why do you have? Why do you want to have sex with minor children? And he said the guy just had this crazy look in his face, and he just screamed at him. He said, "He said from the time I wake up in the morning till the time I go to bed at night, all I think about is harming children. It's harming children." Mm. And so he said, and 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 really, I mean, that's the uh, the mentality of probably ninety percent of these people that that we dealt with. Wow. And, uh, and so it's it's hard for us to you know, as those of us who consider ourselves to be normally serious, but things normal. Uh, it's hard to believe that someone gets to that point, but you know. But at the same time, one of the things I, I, I really, I believe that I saw over and over again is that uh, you know the uh, a serial killer has the same personality and characteristics as a sex offender against children does. I mean, they, a serial killer does, doesn't do it for money. They don't do it uh, for so, well. Sometimes they do it for fame, but it's just something that they really they like. It really turns him on. And a child molester is the same thing. Unfortunately, by the time we finally catch these guys, they've had, like I said, anywhere between two to four hundred victims. Gee. And so, you know, so and that's one thing I say that when I when I talk to uh, my friend Doctor Spava, you know, he's just uh, he he's, uh, he says, you know, he he was a, a criminal psychologist and, and, uh, and did, he would he would analyze people that were makes you know, mostly there they were it was in homicide cases here in Texas. He would he would do this on contract and he would you know. Uh, evaluate them and tell them, you know, let the officials know if, if they were competent to stand trial. Hmm. And, uh, but, you know, he just, uh, he also made the same comment to me a while back. He said, you know, he said, a serial killer and sex offender just have kind of pretty much the same motive. They just have a different victim that they're after. Let's, uh, let's let everybody think about that and we'll take a break. We'll be back with Sandy and our agent in charge right after these messages. The disease of addiction is a life altering challenge not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. 
Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is around town movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not so fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around town movers for that local or cross country move. Timothy, around town movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's around town movers. Call them. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on America's Web Radio and uh, Agent in Charge. And we're talking about, a, uh, in my opinion, a very sick subject, and that's uh, uh, the trafficking of children for sex and uh, uh, the do- adult abuse of children for sex and so forth. And uh, it's just one more amazing thing that... Uh, uh our society puts up with and and i don't think it condones it but they we sure don't condemn it like i think we ought to um but you're going to talk about a a case right sandy yeah just first of all like i said what i you know i mentioned earlier about the dark web and i get this i get asked this quite a bit what is the dark web and i'll just this is and it's not only used by pedophiles it's used by lots of white markets just uh, just real quick it was uh it's actually it's, it's a uh it's a uh program that you can download on any computer it's called tor t-o-r i can't remember specifically what tor stands for but uh tor is it's a it's a website that you go into it's like a it's a uh it's like google uh uh you know it's a uh, search engine but you have to download it, and uh, and what you do is when you when you log into Tor, okay, you have there there's millions of Tor users uh, around the world, and what Tor does is that you when you log into Tor, you're going to log in not from your home computer, but you go to another guy's IP address, which might which might be in uh, you know uh, Chile. The next the next time you log in, it may be in uh, in, in Beijing. Next time it may be in in, uh, in in San Marcos, Texas. You know, so every time, so it, it makes it real difficult for law enforcement to figure out who you are, as long as you're using uh, false information and, and using the Tor website. And so, and believe it or not, now the reason how Tor was developed was developed by the United States Navy years ago, and 
war, but it was back during the Cold War and it was developed so that, uh, well, I'm sorry, not the Cold War, but post-Cold War. And uh, it was uh, in these for, for countries that uh, were developing countries that came out of the old Soviet Union and, and uh, communist countries where that they could go online and exchange information and give information back and forth without being uh, targeted by their own government. And so, of course, like like every good thing, I mean, if it if it if it gives somebody the chance to uh, move around without being identified, of course, then that's perfect for the black market. So, any questions on tour or how it works? You know, I I guess I'm Mister Naive. I never heard of it, but I've heard of the black, uh, you know, the the dark web or whatever you want to call it. But uh, right. Uh, I just, I guess I'm such a chicken that uh, I always figured as soon as I raised my hand, there'd be somebody knocking at my door, you know. And I I would assume, too, with this thing, that they can gather all sorts of information on you as well. Right. And uh, as I say now, the thing about TOR, now I say, you understand one thing about my agency, uh, is that in the FBI as well? I mean, we have the best computer computer forensic people in the world. There's no two ways about it. And uh, and and we have we do a lot of what they call undercover uh, online undercover work. And of course, like I say, it's very very difficult to target these guys when they're trading pornography and setting up uh, uh, sex tourism uh, uh, deals around the world. And and, uh, and also, there's a lot of information going on about weapons and weapon parts and you know just you name it. If it's black markets, you can find it on tour. And, uh, but what we do, I mean, at the same time, I mean, we're always trying to keep up with these guys. And so you have a lot of undercover sting operations where agents are going online. And, you know, this it is set up to, de- to deter these pedophiles from getting involved in this type of stuff. But, you know, these agents go online and then they go to these chat rooms and these different social media sites. And uh, they start engaging these uh, these pedophiles under the guys. That, you know, for example, I had one agent who worked for me up in Glenwood uh, Springs, Colorado. And she was... She's still on the job, so I can't use her name, but she was the best agent I ever saw when it came to doing this. She would she would imitate herself as being a 12-year-old pre-pubescent, pre-pubescent girl, and she would chat with these guys and, and uh, do the tours to the tour system, to the black dark web. And, uh, of course, it never just happens immediately. You know, they would set up a relationship type of deal, and eventually, you know, when the, uh, when the pedophile got up the nerve, he'd say, okay, meet me here at this place, and I'll give you whatever it is, you know, something exchange most of the time, and that's, we call that grooming, setting them up. But, you know, you never know when you're on these sites and you're, if you are a pedophile and you're, and you're chatting with someone, if you're actually chatting to a, with the person you think it is, or if it's an undercover agent. And so, my, my advice would be, I mean, if you are so declined to, to be that sick of a person, you know, remember, you just never know. And, and the average, average time these guys are getting in jail now is about 30 years. I mean, they are, they're, they, they max these guys out on these sentences, you know between 15 to 30 years. So if you don't want to spend the next 15 to 30 years of your life in jail, you know, it's probably best off staying off the dark web. <laughs> so, you know, like you said, like you said, sometimes it's good to be a chicken, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> so anyway, so that said, I want to talk about a couple of cases. And uh, these were cases that were uh, going on when I was like, my, my biggest exposure to these cases is when I was in Russia. And not only uh, Russia, but Central Asia, and uh, but for the most part, we were working with the Russian government. I mean, those pretty much all the sex cases we were working with the Russian government, and uh, they have like, so they have a huge issue there. There were on several different occasions they would come to me and, and ask for my assistance or our assistance on cases, and, 
and uh, it got to know those guys real well and, and had a great working relationship with them. And uh, so these are cases that we work with the Russians. So, so I'll, I'll kind of go over just a, just kind of a snapshot of them. And we'll, we'll, we'll save the big one to the end here. But uh, this guy's name, his name is Gregory Capordellis. Closed case. And uh, back in the, uh, oh, from about I guess about 2004 to 2007, he would travel to, uh, I'm sorry, from 2003 to about 2007, he was traveling back and forth between, uh, let's see, he lived in, let's see, uh, maybe he's from Georgia. He was in Atlanta, yeah. So, uh, he, so anyway, so Mr. Capradellis, uh, he would travel to and from St. Petersburg, and he was setting up with a uh, some people at a uh, at a orphanage that we talked about. Uh, uh, he would travel to Russia and would pay money and engage to engage in unlawful sex act with minors that produced child pornography. So not only was he going over there and, and abusing kids, he was having them film him while he was abusing these kids. And uh, we don't know how many exactly because you know it's. Uh, what the, the rule normally is if we can get two to three cooperating uh, uh, witnesses and they're strong enough, that's where we'll leave that because you don't worry want to expose these kids if you don't have to. You know, even after they become an adult, it's such a traumatic experience. You just want to minimize their their exposure to having to relive that situation all over again. Does that, does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. So anyway, so Mr. Capradellis, uh, he was involved. He did this for years. He did this. He traveled back and forth. Started out, okay, like all these guys, he started out trading and and looking at uh, Internet porn, uh, child pornography. Uh, Eventually got the money and the courage, and and he started working over, he started going back and forth. And uh, St. Petersburg Police Department, they contacted my office, and uh, and they asked for our help. And so we got involved, and like I said, we did a sting operation. And we stepped in and, and helped them. Uh, we sent an agent in to talk to them, just got undercover, and uh, we talked him into coming over, set the whole thing up, brought him over, and, uh, and we went ahead and arrested him in the United States because, you know, the thing is, we, we don't have an extradition treaty with, with Russia. And, uh, but, uh, so, you know, it, it wouldn't have bothered me to see him get arrested in Russia, but the thing is, you know, it gets really complicated to get, to get the U.S. Attorney's Office involved Basically, they don't want somebody to get over there and die in a gulag, in a gulag that they had access to. It would be a would be a loss in this case, but just you know, politically, it's not a good thing. And so, we we agreed with the Russians. We went ahead and we pulled together three witnesses in this case. And I think there were actually five witnesses in this case. And uh, but anyway, pulled them together and uh, they all recounted his uh, time they spent with him, the, the sexual engagement with him, and also we were able to uh, get the, the Russians gave us for our case. Uh, his his uh, the, porn, the pornography that he had produced with these kids, and so in June 2008 he was convicted, and on six counts related to child exploitation, he is currently serving a 35 year federal prison sentence, and uh, he's appealing his conviction right now. He says that we set him up, and we did. It wasn't like he didn't have it coming, right? Oh yeah, I, you know that's sort of like uh, they they. Put a hook in the water, and uh, we just bit on it. You know, I, that's exactly yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. I mean, the whole thing about these these type of cases is that we're sure we're trying to. You know, the best way to stop it is is, is with fear. And you know, that's so what I'm saying. I mean, you never know when you're talking to one of our folks, you, and uh, you might be talking to like an agent, like the one who worked for me. And you know, I'll just call her uh, uh, Vanessa, and, and, uh, but she was. Uh, I mean, she's good, and she was she talked a lot of guys into their to, to jail cell. You know, and. Uh, 
also, next case is this, it's something similar, but like I say, this just kind of paints a picture of what these guys are like. And so you'll, you know, and, and they're such mundane people. Most time people would have no idea. They said, I had no idea that guy was like that, that he was, that he was, he was that sick of a person. And, and like I say, and you see them, you know, they're priests. Just think of all the thousands of kids that a priest has access to in his life as a priest and look at a, a Boy Scout leader. Same thing. How many kids do they have access to? And so, uh, you know, and, and there, I'll never forget one particular case back when, uh, when, uh, the internet was still real young. And we didn't, we, you couldn't send videos on the internet back then. Back then you still had to, uh, this was back in, I guess, 1998, 97, somewhere in there. But, uh, this guy worked for the Federal Board of Elections in Washington, D.C. And he was a supervisor with these guys. And, uh, he lived in a house that his parents owned and, uh, they had, they had left the house to him. I'm sorry. He had inherited. And above him, he lived in the basement, and it was a big, nice house. And above him, he had three female medical students that, that rented the upstairs house from him. And so our agents doing, back then, what was the, the you know, first uh, primitive uh, chat room, one of our undercover agents talked to this guy, and he thought he was talking to an 11-year-old girl. And so they just changed back and forth, and, and he said, he talks to her, he's, Persuade, you know, or he's trying to persuade our undercover agent to send him a, a video, a VHS video, the big old VHS tape of her uh, naked and and, and uh, masturbating, and uh, so you know, so he sends the address. So we set up, you know, a, we didn't send him a video that, but we we sent him a we had the traditional video that we send to people that that uh, when they, if they looked at it, so it, you know, when they plug into their the video recorder, it's like. It's like congratulations, you're you have just been arrested by the U.S. Customs Service. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so we worked with the postal inspectors, and so set up a uh, this uh, this exchange, and he was trying to set up with our undercover agent, also me. We said, first, I want to see a video of you taking and having sex with yourself, and so uh, she emails him back and says, okay, she said, uh, I just sent that yesterday. Two years of the address you gave you, P.O. Box, and uh, he said, uh, you know, once you see it, give me a call, and we'll we'll, t- we'll have, find a time to meet. And so, this guy, I, I was on surveillance when this this uh, was going on. I was watching him. Uh, we watched him when he left work. When he when he got that that email, he was so excited. He literally ran from his office. It was about close night. Ran from his office, got in his car took off i mean he was he was moving he was he was flying through traffic he was so excited to get that video and so uh you know we had to follow him and it was like a high-speed pursuit i mean he was that excited he never saw us chasing but we stayed on him and we followed him to his house and he literally when he got to his house he literally jumped out of his car ran inside and, uh, and we didn't even have time to really get out of the car before he was inside the house we had the search warrant ready to go and, and uh and he was he was he was putting the video in the uh, the VCR as we went to the door. I mean, seconds later, that's how that's how excited this guy was to get this, this video that he thought was about <laughs> pornography. And so that's just kind of like I say that's the uh, that's the mindset these guys have. They just it's what they they live for, you know. And uh, so anyway, so any any comments on that case? <laughs> no, I, you know it's. Uh amazing and it could be your next door neighbor i suppose exactly like i said this guy he was a he was a good looking guy he was a young guy he was probably about 31 32 he was just young to me and had these these uh 
attractive female uh, medical students living above him, and they were super smart. And they, when we interviewed them, they had, didn't have a clue this guy was like that. Now, we never did prove that he was actually uh, molesting kids, but he was in the process of trying to do it. I mean, that was part of the, what he was exchanging with our, with our undercover agent. And uh, he was trying to a time to get with her to molest her, you know. And so, but it, that what I just kind of threw in because it came to mind is that we're talking about, you know, the, the mindset of these guys and, and how they get so, it's, it's what they live for. It really is. I mean, they'll do anything to get access to these kids. And so, you know, another particular case, so this was, this, I pulled this buck up. It's a closed case. I pulled this up, but it, it, uh, it was one of the better cases we worked in. It's interesting because this was actually in Tampa. And uh, this guy, you know, this is what we call a historical case. This wasn't done undercover. This was done, we went back historically and pulled together witnesses and, and records and, and, uh, and then did search warrants and found materials in his house. But this guy's name was John Wesley Brandt. And uh, he was, uh, he pretended to be a 17-year-old male, okay? And he would, how he started, he would go online and he would start talking to the girl with, you know, then he he would talk him into meeting him. Of course, he was he was actually in his thirties at the time, and uh, and they would meet him, and, and then he would you know talk him into having sex with him, and and uh, he also was involved in uh, he would he did the same thing as the uh, Mister uh, uh, the days that's always messed me up here, like the uh, Mister Capadellus. Same thing. He was also involved in sex tourism. He was uh, traveling back and forth between Russia. Yeah, like I say, we put together history, interviews with, with Russian victims and all. And then, but the inter- the, the thing that made this guy that kind of stand out is that not only was he having sex with, he was not only involved with uh, sexual relationships with uh, sex trafficking and uh, and also you know setting up uh, with these kids online. He lived with a wife. And his wife had two kids that were seven and eight years old. And uh, he was setting up, he was having sex with her two kids without her knowing it, and he was filming these. And this was part of what we used to convict him. And yeah. so we found these during the search warrant, and these, of course, were the most compelling evidence we had. And, uh, and it's, you know, the good thing to know is that he did, I know he received, uh, I'm looking here how many years he was sentenced to, but I know he was, I believe it was 99 years with the sentence. They, they got him on three different counts, and they, they maxed him out, and, uh, and they got him at, uh, I believe his, his final sentence was at 99 years. You know, you mentioned, Sandy, that uh, the serial killer and the sex offender have something. You know, in both cases, what you've described to me or what I hear is, you know, we do a show called Detailing Addiction, and this it's an addiction with them. And, it is, no, without a doubt, without a doubt. And they can't... Um, you know, they just keep wanting more and more and more and more, and it's it's like the... Uh, alcoholic or you know the smoker or whatever you just you can't get away from it and uh, they I, are now yeah, and now this I, 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 this is my the last case I want to talk about and we're getting kind of short on time so I'll just the, the, we could this could be an entire show into itself you know uh, we covered a whole hour on this case but we'll just briefly go over it uh, I was contacted this is our this is probably our best case yeah because it was done we did it towards right towards the end of my tour over there and uh, the uh, Moscow City Police Department, their homicide uh, division contacted me, and a guy by the name of Pavel Pomerov was, was a detective for him, and he brought a, uh, a lady with him from what they call the investigative committee, which is like the, the, the equivalent of the U.S. Attorney's Office that we have here, and her name was Olga Sapochkin. And uh, But they 
came in and they said, look, we have a big issue. We need you to, we need your help. We have a guy, we've identified a guy. His name is Joseph Abramov. And he was, had dual U.S. citizenship and Russian citizenship. But he lived in Los Angeles. And uh, we have, you know, we have uh, a group of parents. There were, I remember at the time we started out, there were like nine parents. And uh, these parents want to talk to you, talking to me as the attache about this Joseph Abramov. And, uh, and it's basically they detailed that, that he was coming over to, uh, he would travel to Moscow where he owned an apartment, and uh, and he would use uh, police uh, officers of the Moscow City Police Department, and he would have him basically kidnap kids for him, bring them to his apartment, and he would sexually molest them. And uh, particularly, and it was boys and girls didn't matter, but it, you know, he wanted them prepubescent between the ages of like 9 and 12 years old. And so uh, we, uh, this, we did this, this case was done historically as well, and uh, which we just, uh, we I met with the parents uh, one day at the uh, at the investigative committee's office there in Moscow, and uh, they asked me. They were very concerned. You know, they said uh, our main concern is number one is this guy. You know, he threatened our children after he abused them. He told them that if you tell anyone, I'm going to kill you. And he said, and if, if he said, and I'll have my police officer friends kill you. You know, it threatened them, and uh, and so. They were very reluctant, but they said but the thing is, we said we want something. We need to have something done about this guy because, you know, our kids, you know, they're they're mental wrecks. They they can't do anything. They're having all these issues, and, and uh, they're they're afraid to you know try to go to bed at night. This was most of the got people that were interviewed. This was like four or five years after they had been abused. So they they were you know they were you know in their early late teens, early twenties, and. Uh, so to make you know just a, a brief snapshot of the case, we brought in uh, out of the nine parents. I, so I told him, I said, "Look, I said I'll do the best I can." I said, uh, I, "You know, we need to interview your kids. We need to see what they saw and uh, hear what they saw, and, and try to you know, I explain the way the process works. We'll try to compile as much evidence as we can and present it to you know, the U.S. Attorney's Office for prosecution." And so we did. We brought them in, and then out, but out of the nine parents who came in, I mean. They were very fearful. They, they they said that you know we you know we want to know first that you can protect us uh, from any reprisals from Mr. Romoff. And I said, well, I said I can protect you you know against him. But I said, this, but as far as you know here in Moscow, the police officer, I mean that's going to be up to the Moscow police department. I said, I, I said in this particular case, I'm sure they will more than be more than happy to provide you protection, especially during this trial if we, if we end up going to trial. So. Uh, they were concerned, but out of the nine parents, only three of the kids were willing to come to the United States and testify. And so uh, we we did search warrants over in Moscow. We went to his apartment and uh, mostly just to uh, uh, you know put the details together with the stories that the kids were telling us. The uh, the uh, not really so much stories as it was a recount of the uh, their the sexual assault. And uh, and then in addition to you know what he would uh, when he'd have these kids abducted brought to him. He would tell that he would call him and say, "Hey, if you don't come back over here and have sex with me, back to his apartment," he said, "I want to go kill your brother. I want to kill your father, your brother." And so he would engage these kids in sex multiple, multiple times. So fast forward, you know, we uh, we managed to uh, we had a hard time getting the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office in Los Angeles to take the case. So I went to Maine Justice with it, and uh, they agreed with me that if we came up with if we had three good witnesses, which we did. Uh, that they would go ahead and try the case and uh, indict Mr. Abramov. And so we went to trial. We indicted him, arrested him, and, and uh, Chris Coakley, one it was our case agent in Los Angeles, did a fantastic job and a lot of work involved in this, and especially getting the witnesses over. But you know, they uh, one of the witnesses when uh, when she came into the courtroom there in Los Angeles uh, and she saw Abramov. I mean, they said 
she literally had a nervous breakdown and just fell on the floor and started screaming. They had to they had to take a recess and uh, you know he was terrified her to that point. And uh, and so they had to take a recess and if I remember right, I believe they, they removed him from the room and he was allowed to watch on television, but he was not allowed to be in there when she testified. If I remember right, because I, I was not at the, at the trial at the time. I had already moved back to the States. And, uh, but anyway, make it so he was found guilty on all three accounts. He also received, I believe he received three different terms of 30 years each, and he ended up with 90 years in prison. And so, but like I say, what's the thing about Obramov that I was, that's, that's interesting is that, is that, you know, he is a sociopath, and he very much, you know, pres- presents the same mannerisms that a, a psychopath will have, a psychopathic killer will. And uh, he had lots of money. This guy, uh, he was a uh, professor of physics. He had a PhD in physics, and he was an international, but he did not teach anymore. He was an international diamond trader, traveled the world. And the only place we had, we never got to interview him. He would never interview. So we have no idea where else in the world he was doing this type of activity. Hmm. But we assume all over the place. And so, uh, you know, so, but like I say, this incorporates everything. The human trafficking aspect, it incorporates, you know, the... Uh, the, the psychopathic activity, the mindset they have, and the, the the lengths that they're willing to go to to have access to kids, and so uh, kind of sums it all up. Oh yeah. And, uh, oh, so sick. Any any question oh. on Mr. Obramov? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope he's still wherever he should be, serving time, <laughs> and exactly. will forever and ever. You know. But anyway, so. And I don't know, we don't really have a whole lot of time. How much time were we? We're, here? we're about out, actually. Okay, well, you know, so just real quick, okay, if you, you know, if you think your kid is, uh, you know, thing to look for as a concerned parent, as a concerned friend, and uncle, uh, eating disorders. If you see a kid, you know, exhibiting eating disorders, uh, vague complaints of stomach pain or headaches, sleep problems, bowel disorders such as soling itself yourselves uh genital or rectal symptoms such as pain and you know the uh the, the sex organs uh also lack of self-esteem advanced sexual knowledge you know too much in a kid age you know about sex and uh being depressed dropping school performance basically just a, a change in their change in their whole personality yeah like my, like my wife said and it's true i mean once these kids are abused they're never the same again and so you know and it really does take all of us working together to uh, to combat this, I mean, you really need to be aware, especially if you're a parent today. Uh, you know what you know, especially what your kids are doing online, because most of these cases generate on the internet. Yeah. And so, knowledge of what your kids are doing, you know, at all times, it's even more important now than it was back when we were kids. Oh yeah. With that, uh, Sandy, I think we're going to have to put the plug in the jug one more time, and uh, thank you for uh, this was a. A sickening show, but a very informative show. And the, I guess the one thing that grabs me is, that, like you said, or like we talked, could be your next door neighbor, and you know that it's going on around the world, and that's that's sad. Uh, on the other side of the coin, I remember as as an EMT, the one of the greatest things in the world was delivering a baby, and. Uh, my two sons, and then when I was an EMT, I, I delivered two kids. And, uh, you know, and kids are meant to be loved, not abused. Right. So. Without a doubt, yeah, like I said, they, they don't ask for that. You know, no, it's just, it's no. Just, you know, it's just, it's, it's forced on them. 
So, with that, uh, thank you, sir. We'll be back next week with more Agent in Charge. We'll be back with more programming after this. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.